from what's on to what matters. It's Tracy Mack on Newcastle in the Morning, only on Newcastle Live. And I've got my lawyer in the studio this morning after giving her a razzing in the intro. She is here. She hasn't piked out on me. Oh, there was some... Right, I didn't know that. You you need to listen before you you come in. Well, I was walking at high speed through the wind. (laughs) So I wasn't listening to anything but the sound of my thighs rubbing with my lycra pants. Don't you love that feeling? Don't you love it? Yeah, no, I I said that you you were going to come in, but because of the uh, the Arctic blasts that have been coming in, you decided not to. But here you are. But I'm so capricious, I changed again. You did. Not unlike the matter that we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. Doing that just to a nice segue. A nice segue. So Very basically, nice segue. today we're talking about the Zagi Kozarov and the state of Victoria matter. And similarly to my walking, not coming, yes, walking, um, Miss Kozarov worked for the Office of Public Prosecutions in Victoria. Now, she was in a specialised unit which deals with very, very serious child sexual assault. And everything that, that that entails, looking at those images, mm. interviewing the survivors, it's an incredibly intense kind of a job. Um, and it's it's one that uh, you would assume would have mental health support yeah, behind see, it. You would just assume mm. that. These people, and I work with the, uh, well, it's the OPP in Victoria, DPP here. I mean, these are just humans like you and I. So basically, the Kozarov and State of Victoria case developed this way. She started to develop symptoms of mental health distress, but she actually wasn't aware of that. How it was manifesting for her was she became increasingly hypervigilant with her own children. Uh, And I must admit that when I work on matters like this too, I suddenly see things that may or may not be there. Like you just turn your mind to, oh, that guy's standing by the public toilets for a mm. bit of a while and there's some children going in it's that stuff stuff that your radar wouldn't normally pick up um so naturally i think as you just said um she started to catastrophize some things mm. so but she wasn't really that aware she she was having talks with the opp um and said to them i love my job so it appears that they must have twigged this hypervigilance mm. and not coping um so the Victorian uh, District Court found for her, found that she was suffering PTSD. She had ended up having a diagnosis of PTSD and severe depression. Um, and the OPP was rebutting that and saying, "There, you didn't actually express that to us. All right, so just let that sink in. So they, it's because they were coming off, they were using what's called the COLA defence. So there was a matter in 2005, COLA, K-O-E-H-L-E-R, COLA and Cerebos, C-E-R-E-B-O-S. So there was the precedent for this kind of matter was the facts in COLA and Cerebos was COLA was a woman um, and she was a, a, given a job in job merchandising between many stores. She was a contractor um, stacking shelves and she mm. complained many times in writing and orally that the job was just too much for her. So they decreased her hours but increased her workload. So she was saying and writing, this is just too mm. much work, too yeah. much work. Eventually she saw a doctor who diagnosed her with a psychiatric condition. The issue there is could the employer be held responsible for that? So how it was held is 
it ended up being what was reasonable foreseeability. No, it wasn't reasonably foreseeable in the workplace that she would get a psychiatric injury. It's normal for employers to give employees a lot of work and for them to accept it indicating they're able to do it because you want to keep your job. Yeah, so you're not going to say, no, don't give me this. Sarah Bross was not aware of any particular successibility, susceptibility to nervous shock. And this is the vital bit. There had to be evident signs, i.e. the employer had to verbalise it was affecting her health. She never said it's affecting my health. She said, this is too much for me. Wow. Well, so, okay. so, so at that point in time, it's putting the onus back on the employee. You've just hit the exact nail on the head. Yep. So this is what happened with the Kozarov and State of Victoria matter is what her, what her team found is actually within the OPP, there is a policy. Now, middle management didn't know about it and she wasn't aware of it, but there was a policy that basically said it was called the vicarious trauma policy that explained the role of the employer as to how they're meant to protect their employees. And their policy, or the studies they'd done, within two years, mental health symptoms might be developed if you're working in an intense environment like that. Two years is still a, seems like a lot to mm. be putting those images in your brain. Um, and that same policy, that same OPP vicarious trauma policy, indicated individuals should be rotated and they weren't doing that. And there should be welfare checks. Well, they weren't being rotated because it was such a highly specialised area. And I think when they discussed it with Ms Kozarov, that's when she was saying, I love my job. But, of course, as, as things went on, she realised I'm actually quite unwell. It got to the point where she says, I listened to a um, Radio National interview with her this morning before coming on the show, and she was saying that the hypervigilance crept up to the point where it took her ages to ring around all the ballet schools to find a ballet school that would let her sit in so that if her daughter had to go to the toilet, she could take her. Oh, wow. Yeah, it got pretty full on. It really, yeah, that, that, sounds, uh, that sounds horrendous. So she won the first case. Yep. It then got appealed by the, uh, the OPP down in Victoria as opposed to the, the um, DPP up here, which is obviously the Office of Public Prosecution. Um, so they then went back, as you said, with this defence that it was up to her to tell us. What's happened next? What's happened now? So the High Court unanimously... Wow, that's big. <laughs> ...unanimously decided um, they're going to allow the appeal. And that was from the decision of the Court of Appeal of the Supreme Court of Victoria. Wow. That's incredible, isn't it? Pretty. And I've actually printed the uh, the summary of the case off the High Court of Australia website if you're interested. Yeah, I mean, I'd it, love to hear a Okay, bit so of I'm going to yeah. read this verbatim. Well, I'll read little bits of it. Um, so on the 13th of April is when it was decided. So that's not that long ago. Today, the High Court unanimously allowed an appeal from a decision of the Court of Appeal of the Supreme Court of Victoria. The appellant was employed by the respondent as a solicitor in the Specialist Sexual Offences Unit of the Victorian Office of Public Prosecutions. The primary question in the appeal was whether the respondent's failure to take reasonable measures in response to, quote, evident signs of the appellant's psychiatric injury from vicarious trauma suffered in that role caused the exacerbation and prolongation of the appellant's psychiatric injury. So Ms Kozarov commenced employment in the SSOU in June 2009. Her work there involved cases, this is in quotes, cases of an abhorrent nature involving child rape and offences of gross depravity. 
In February 2012, so three years later, the appellant was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder resulting from vicarious trauma which she'd suffered in the course of employment. The appellant was later diagnosed with major depressive disorder as a corollary of her post-traumatic stress disorder. Wow. Mm-hmm. The High Court... Um, the appellant sued the respondent and was awarded damages for negligence at trial. On appeal, the Court of Appeal upheld the trial judge's finding that the respondent had been placed on notice of a risk to the appellant's mental health by the end of August 2011. However, the Court of Appeal rejected the trial judge's findings that at the end of 2011, the, uh, the August 2011, the appellant would have accepted an offer to rotate out of the SSOU. On that basis, the Court of Appeal found that the respondent's breach of duty did not cause the exacerbation of the appellant's psychiatric injury between August 2011 and the appellant's departure from the SSOU in February 2012. So what you said earlier hit the nail on the head. They're basically putting the back, putting it on her. back onto her. But the High Court found that the respondent had been placed on notice by the end of 2011 in August that the appellant was at risk of harm from her work. The High Court also found that the Court of Appeal erred or erred in rejecting the trial judge's finding that the appellant would have cooperated with steps to rotate the appellant out of the SSOU had those steps been taken subsequent to occupational screening at the end of August 2011. The considerations supporting that conclusion included the appellant's cooperative conduct in February 2012 in liaising with the respondent about her future role, her preparedness to be assessed by a psychologist in August 2011, an expert evidence led at trial that a very significantly majority of people, if assessed as having a work-related psychiatric injury and after having had the diagnosis and its relevant consequences explained to them, will accept the advice of a clinician in respect of that injury. The Court of Appeal thus erred in finding a lack of causation between the breach of duty and the appellant's injury so the long-term ramifications of this one it's extraordinary isn't it it, it really is it, it really puts uh, puts the legal onus completely on the employer mm-hmm. and it's up to the employer to watch what's going on to be aware to take notice but to have policies and procedures in place policies and procedures in place that you actually activate and that you adhere to uh, two of the judges Kifel was one of them and I can't recall the other off the top of my head two made went to great pains though to explain um, the very narrow construction of this judgment, mm. which means you can't just absolutely open the floodgates, which, as you know, in law, everybody's always terrified of, oh, but if we decide that, open the floodgates. Um, Ms. Kozarov is now working in private practice, and which means she'll be able to monitor the work she has mm. and the level of work that she decides to plug into. Um, and I think she was awarded $435,000. She's probably used all of that up in, in costs now. Um, I don't know. Well, it's a shame Adrian's not here. He could mm. tell us. Uh, DPP probably would have had to absorb those costs. It's really interesting. Not I sure. mean, what, her um, the greatest comment that, that's come from her is that uh, she believes the problem her case highlights extends beyond the OPP, and that there should be more recognition generally of mental health issues in the workplace. I agree completely with that, mm. absolutely. And uh, and as you said, the person who is going through it is always the last person to realise. And uh, and that's well, sometimes, that's yeah, tough, you know. Yeah. I mean, and, and especially because you, I mean, I as I said, I dip a toe into that world, and usually I don't, I don't look at the images. Mm. I read what the images. I read what they found. I read what the I read what the Australian Federal Police have found that then gets handed to someone like Miss Kozarov. They have to. They live and breathe it. They make the brief. They send the facts for us to agree to or whatever. Um, 
I cannot imagine what I mean you did you must go down to a rabbit hole it's like a parallel universe it must be like live, working in a morgue like you come out from the living world into I, I, I it is just depravity everything that yeah. you're looking at um, now when that was um, before the high court I think some evidence was given by uh, some very learned expert that said there is a very very small percentage of um, society that can cope with this mm. and can cope with this for long periods um, and not seem to suffer, but it's a very, very small minority. It really is. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke with a gentleman who has started a support group, basically, for paramedics, um, oh, ambos, wow. police, all of those guys who are frontline, you know, and who don't get looked after and who end up with PTSD exactly up, like this. And then and end up having to fight, by the way, to prove it, to get their payout. Exactly. So that's like another re-traumatising all over. And that's exactly the conversation that uh, that we had last week or a couple of weeks ago regarding this this exact program that mm. that people just keep being re-traumatised by having to relive it and having to go over it. And it was very interesting. And, and it's changed the way actually that I look at things. Uh, he he made comment about you know when you drive down the roads and you see the white crosses and you see see all of those things. And I, I drove down past uh, a white cross on uh, Scenic Highway a couple of weeks ago and it wasn't long after we chatted and uh, there was a mother obviously there cleaning cleaning up around the cross. Oh. And straight away my brain went to – it changed the way that I looked on that now. I looked – you know, previously I looked at it and went, oh, that poor family, that poor family. Yeah. I looked at it and went, oh, my God, those poor ambulance service guys who were walking past that and seeing that mother clean yeah. up that, that space – Mental health is something that we need to to be aware of so much stronger than we ever have before, particularly around our emergency service personnel, Absolutely. our people, our lawyers who are seeing this stuff. You know, the the people who have to go forward and prosecute this this mm. kind of horrendous, you know, things that are being done to children. I, I, as you said, you know, you you would assume it it was there, but middle management didn't know about the policy and. That's scary in itself, Lauren, that that we've got these people out there on the front of this seeing this stuff day in, day out, but we don't know what those policies mm. are. And we don't know what's supposed but also to be there to help what, them. And what's disturbing is if that you know, if a person is displaying some mental health issues and you talk to them about it, she got extremely distressed and emotional and um, there was quite a big incident and, and it's when she was defending it, saying, I, I really love my job. So they ended up using that as, well, she's fine. She said she loves her job, but you know, didn't have the insight then. She was so far down. Yeah, you, you don't see it yourself. If someone says to you there's something wrong with you but they don't try to fix it, mm. you don't, you know, if someone says, oh, I can notice that you're absolutely stressed, uh, you need to get over it, that's not helpful but mm. no. I can see that you're very, very stressed. We need to rotate you out of here. Oh, let's have a look at our vicarious mm. trauma policy um, and also not just have a, a finite amount of people that are specialised in that area, I guess. That's the other I issue. don't know. I don't have the answer to any of this stuff. Do you want more people traumatised by this, you know? I wouldn't – I would not go in that for all the all the money in the world. I wouldn't want to do that. And they're so overworked. They're, they're really overworked. I mean, I joke sad, with all of it? them. I see them up at the Umbrian, which is a coffee shop, and you see all the prosecutors come in. You go, oh, uh, hello, Mr Crown, you know, bit of a mm. joke that they're always having coffee, but – they really... They need the coffee. They really need the coffee. Yeah. And yeah, they work hard. So what do you think uh, the end of this is going to be? Obviously, the High Court has uh, has made its ruling. So, you know, where do we go to from there? Will, will this now be used as precedent for other well, cases? Well, it's a High Court case, so yes, it will. Mm. Um, definitely, I think it's going to impact. It'll make real change. Um, 
for any public prosecution mm. uh, across because it's now federal high court of course being a federal court um, it's not just going to affect Victoria it's going to be interesting to see it tested because cola and cerebros has now been extended and this is often what happens in legal matters something gets tested and this little part of it becomes law but the rest you know doesn't quite mm. get the yeah but we're, we're now over there um, but again narrow construction mm. so yeah. you can't just yeah, so I think it's going to be a bit of a – you need to identify that your mental health's affecting – you're being affected by what mm. you're going to have to have that medically assessed, which, again, as you know, if you're not if you're not very well mentally, that stuff can feel insurmountable. I've got clients that you say, mate, you know, to keep you out of prison, we're going to need to get you – you know, get a psych, psychiatrist. They can't even get their head around – like, I don't even have – I don't even have money on my um, – Opal card to get anywhere. I don't get my Centrelink till next week. Like it just seems. So it's it'll be interesting to see. And you know we've got a new government mm. now, so mm. let's not forget. We don't know what's going to be yeah. some systemic change that hopefully. Yeah. But you know the the thing that, and this is a question that I've been asking for uh, probably about uh, five to seven years now, is you know why why is there a difference? Why do we treat a physical injury different to how we treat mental injury? And it's because you know you can see a broken arm, you can see a broken leg, you can see cuts and abrasions. You can't see this mental, you know, what's going on mentally, and uh, it really is. It is traumatic for the people who are who are going through it and who are being re-traumatized. Mm. And uh, it, it's it's the next wave, as mm. far as I can see. It is the next next wave of what's coming coming to us all. Well, today, um, Lawyers Weekly uh, published an article, pretty much on exactly this. Did I send you a link you to did, that? Yeah, yeah. Um, because not only the mental health of our clients, but mental health of us lawyers. You know, everything was a bit more challenging with COVID. Mm. You can't sit in conference with a client. You're doing AVLs, which is audio visual links, or you're doing phone calls or Skype calls or whatever it is. Everything just became that little bit harder because we're monkeys, right? We like mm. to see each other's faces, mm. which is why I walked in it's today nice. through the gale force winds. To come and say hello. To come and see your face. God bless you. I know. I love you, dear. I try really hard. I know you do. <laughs> I know you try. You're very trying. I really am You're trying. not. Uh, that is Lauren O'Brien for Legally Blonde. And if you would like to have a look uh, at, at this uh, this court case a little bit further, if you just, uh, just Google um, Zagi, Z-A-G-I, and it's uh, Kozarov, K-O-Z-A-R-O-V. If you want to find out a little bit more about this case, it uh, it really is going to uh, to be potentially ground uh, groundbreaking and uh, really change where the onus of uh, of mental health uh, sits in the scope of responsibility for employers and employees. Thank you so much, my friend. Now, before we talk Thanks again, so um, you're. Uh, you're going to be back on the stage, aren't you, by uh, by this, well, Tuesday of next week. You're, you're well and yeah, truly up on the stage. Definitely. Yeah. Monday we're bumping in, big production, back to back. And then Tuesday night at Lazotte's 7th of June, opening night, Wednesday the 8th, Thursday and the it 9th. And uh, it's hot flush, isn't it? It's hot flush living the dream. Oh, it's yeah. what happens when four women walk out of their lives and into their dreams. I just can't wait. Yeah. I, I can't wait at all. Wear your leg warmers and tease your hair. Well, I've seen your costume, so... Uh, well, you haven't seen the one that I've just got yesterday. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Yeah, that's what's happening. Okay. Yeah. Right on. I mean, well, just think glam rock. I love it. I know. I think nothing else when it comes to you than glam rock. Oh, thanks. Without a doubt. 
Love you lots. Thank you Love so much you. For, uh, for coming in. No and uh, we will catch up with Lauren O'Brien next Wednesday right here on Newcastle Live. I'm going to play the little disclaimer and then I am going to play one of my favourite hot flush songs, which is Leg Warmers. You're with Tracy Mack on oh, Newcastle fantastic. Live. <laughs> the information provided in Legally Blonde is for general information purposes only and should not be taken as professional advice. Newcastle in the Morning takes you through the big events and the most talked about stories of the day that matter to you and your life. From what's on to what matters, Tracy Mack takes you beyond the headlines. What it is, why it matters and how it impacts your daily life. Tracy Mack brings you Newcastle in the Morning, weekdays from 9 on Newcastle Live.